I now can sing since I've been redeemed. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. I faith in Christ, my Redeemer King. I'm on the everlasting, everlasting rock. This is the voice of hope. Then roll, roll, billows roll. I'm on the everlasting rock of ages. Roll, roll, billows roll. You've most likely heard this saying, God is good, all the time. All the time, God is good. I think the first time I ever heard that was many years ago when a choir of godly young men from Liberia, West Africa, gave a program in one of our local churches. I remember them saying it so sincerely and enthusiastically. And then I learned that most, if not all of them, were blind. And yet the joy of the Lord in their lives and in their music was impossible to miss. Would you be able to praise God in similar circumstances? Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Bow down before Him, His glory Thank you, men, for that wonderful song. And thank you for joining me today for The Voice of Hope. I'm J. Mark Horst, your friend and Bible teacher. We worship God because He is worthy and because we trust Him to know what is best for us as His children. In my opening comments, I mentioned the choir of godly young men from Liberia who were blind. We normally see blindness as a disability, as a hindrance as something that makes life more difficult. And like many other disabling conditions, we feel sympathy for those who are, in our eyes, less fortunate than we are. We think a disability is something to be endured. But is our perception accurate? As we continue our study in 2 Corinthians, we come to chapter 12. If you have your Bible close by, or you can open the app on your phone, I'll be reading from that chapter in just a few minutes. It will be helpful if you can follow along as I read the scripture. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope you can stay with me for my teaching because it may just change your thinking and your conclusions on the subject of disabilities. So let's begin. I don't know if the name Theron Drake means anything to you or not, 
but let me tell you a little bit about him. Theron lost his memory in 2007 when he was 14 years old. Every day when he would wake up, he was a two-year-old again. And so every morning, his dad accompanied him to school, and by the time he reached swimming practice later in the day, he was a 14-year-old again he could remember. But every morning it was the same. Overnight he would forget. Then eventually, through the help of medication, he was able to overcome the amnesia. But then a different problem cropped up. And by June of 2008, Theron was totally blind. In spite of this disability, Theron continued to swim in high school, eventually competing at an international level. He won many, many medals at all levels of competition. And even today, he holds 11 unbeaten national records as a Paralympic swimmer. But you know, he doesn't consider those to be his greatest accomplishments. Theron eventually became the first blind NCAA coach in the history of the NCAA. He also went on to earn a bachelor's degree in business and a master's degree in business administration. With these and so many more accomplishments in his life, the question naturally arises, what was Theron's greatest achievement? Well, this quote has guided him to all of his accomplishments. I want you to listen to it. He said, Everyone has a disability. Mine is just more noticeable than most people's. God can use any person's disability for his glory if you will allow him to do so. And that's the end of the quote. I'm curious how you react to Theron's statement that every one of us has a disability. Does that resonate with you? Or does it make you feel defensive? You know, at first thought, you may think you don't have a disability. But then in reality, we all do. If nothing else, our disability is the consequence is living in both a body and a world that is marred by sin and its effects. The Apostle Paul knew what it was like to live with a disability, and we find him talking openly about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Our study today looks at the first 10 verses of this chapter, and I've titled it, Delighting in Your Disability. So I invite you to listen to God's word from 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 1 through 10. Here is the word of God. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, words it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except in my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, 
for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In this text, Paul clearly reveals the discoveries by which you and I can learn to delight in our disability. The first discovery that will help you and me to learn to delight in our disability is the definition of disability. What does the word mean? Well, here's the common understanding. It's a physical, mental, cognitive, or developmental condition that impairs, interferes with, or limits a person's ability to engage in certain tasks or actions. Okay, most likely you already knew that, but how is Paul using the word here in our text? The King James Version uses the English word infirmities. That same Greek word is translated in other places as illnesses, diseases, and invalid. But the most common rendering is weaknesses. It implies feebleness of some kind in either the mind or the body or both. In verse 10 of our text, Paul gives us a partial list of what these disabilities look like. And I want you to notice he says he is content to experience them. And here again, he uses the word weaknesses. And then he adds to that insults, hardships with persecutions, and difficulties. None of us like insults. We don't like to be shamed. We don't like to have our reputation damaged. In Acts chapter 27, Paul used this same word to warn the sailors about the injury or damage they and their ship faced because they failed to listen to his advice. And then hardships. Other related words are distress, compulsion, constraint, necessity, or necessary. And then add to this persecutions, specifically for religious reasons. You know, many of our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing persecution right now. And then finally, distress or hardship and difficulty. It describes a narrowness of place, as we sometimes say, being in dire straits, not knowing which way to turn for relief. I read recently of whole villages in northern Nigeria that are being abandoned by the Christian families who live there. Why? Because they fear the attacks by Fulani herdsmen or Hausa Muslims who have been plundering and pillaging northern Nigeria for years. So they leave everything behind and they flee into the bush. They are persecuted simply because they follow Jesus. Now we must understand that these disabilities, these weaknesses that Paul is talking about, are not the result of bad choices. We have all experienced the results of poor choices in our own lives. Paul isn't talking about the consequences of bad behavior. What he is talking about is circumstances that are beyond our control, situations, experiences that make you and me look weak. If we were able, we would avoid these situations completely, but we're not able to do that. And that's part of what makes them so hard to bear, because they're out of our control. All of us face situations in our lives like this. In our previous message, we looked at the partial list of things Paul had already endured for the sake of the gospel. 
In addition, we face hostility and defamation from those who hate God and Jesus and the Bible. Like the Apostle Paul, we want to learn how to delight in our disability. And so the first discovery we must make is to define what our disability is. The second discovery, then, that will help us to learn to delight in our disability is the source of disability. Does the disability Paul mentions come from Satan, or does it come from God? Or does it come from both? In verse 7, Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. He said, it was a messenger of Satan to buffet or torment him. To be buffeted means to be slapped or struck with a fist. And so this messenger from Satan kept slapping Paul upside the head, as we say. Think about it. Would Satan purposely give something to someone to keep them from becoming proud? Pride is what Satan is all about. It was his original sin. So he is going to entice many people to follow him in that sin. But there are a couple of things you and I need to remember. First of all, Satan is not omniscient. That is, he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know how a person is going to respond to a situation that he, Satan, may instigate. A case in point, he most likely thought that Jesus' death would be the end of the story. He couldn't have been more wrong. And that proves to me he isn't able to know beforehand the choices you and I will make. And then second, as we learn from the life of Job, Satan can only do what God will allow him to do. He doesn't have unlimited power or access, especially to the people of God. And we know that Satan misread Job, too. Is it possible that Satan hoped Paul's hardships would make him bitter toward God, just like he hoped Job's trials would? You know, the idea that, hey God, I'm doing what you've called me to do, and I'm doing the best I can. Is this the thanks I get? Job actually went there, but then in all of his suffering, he didn't reject God or speak evil about him. Many people have fallen into that trap. They've been told falsely, just come to Jesus and your life will be better and easier. You know, in reality, the opposite is true. When you become a Christ follower, your life will become more difficult. Satan will use your desires, your friends, and your family, and so many other things to try to lure you away from your relationship with Christ. Paul realized that God had allowed Satan to buffet him for a specific reason. The reason for this thorn, which was literally anything pointed, was so that he wouldn't become proud. This thorn, this sharp pointed thing, was uncomfortable. You know, as I was meditating on this, I thought of another sharp thing in Paul's experience. Do you remember in Acts chapter 9, the account of Paul's conversion? What did Jesus say to him? He said, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. A goad is simply a sharp stick that was used to prod cattle. And so that sharp stick, as it were, irritating Paul's conscience, was part of his conversion experience. It was part of his humbling himself before Jesus as the Son of God. So Paul recognized that God was allowing Satan to afflict him for a particular reason. Paul first discovered what his disability was, and then he discovered that the source of that disability was both God and Satan. There's a final discovery, then, that will help us learn to delight in our disability. It is the purpose of disability. 
Most things in life have a purpose, a reason for their existence. So what was the purpose of Paul's disability, whatever it was? What's the purpose of your disability and mine? We know from earlier in the chapter that Paul had experienced the amazing supernatural revelation. He had been caught up into the very presence of God. We can only imagine what that must have been like. You know, in my way of thinking, this kind of experience would certainly be grounds for boasting. Well, I must be really special for God to give me this kind of revelation. Nobody else gets this privilege. Some of the false teachers in Corinth who were opposing Paul were guilty of this kind of self-promotion. And Paul wanted no parts of that. But he didn't really want his thorn in the flesh either. He understood that it was necessary to keep him from becoming proud. I wonder, is the temptation to pride the reason why God doesn't entrust the miraculous gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 to very many people? The well-known people of our time who claim to have these gifts certainly aren't models of humility. Let's make several observations from Paul's insights on the purpose of disability. First of all, Satan's mission in life is to harass you, to discourage you, to make you want to give up, to dissuade you from following Christ. So it's okay to ask God for relief. That's what Paul did on three different occasions. He begged God to remove this thorn because he saw it as a hindrance to his ministry, to his effectiveness for God. But God could see the big picture, and God said no. But he went on to say, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is fulfilled in your weakness. God's purpose is to glorify himself, to glorify the grace and power of his Son through you and me as his children. But he can't do that if we're full of ourselves. And so he allows disability to keep us humble, so we and others recognize that any good that comes from our lives is sourced in him. Paul's conclusion was that he would boast about his disabilities. Why? Because they were so much fun? No. Paul didn't have our modern Western mindset that pleasure or good times are the ultimate goal in life. He readily acknowledged the physical, emotional, and spiritual pain that accompanies the life of one who is committed to Christ. In fact, this second letter to the Corinthians highlights many of those struggles. But he understood that the pain wasn't pointless. He understood that suffering for righteousness was proof that the power of Christ rested on him. So not only would he boast about his disabilities, but he would take pleasure in them or delight in them. That's where we get the title of this teaching. Why could he do that? Because it was in his weakness that the strength of Christ was revealed. And that is what Paul wanted those around him to see the power of Christ. Now, what about you and me? Are our goals in life similar to those of the Apostle Paul? Are you and I able to cheerfully embrace our limitations, our disabilities, in order that the power of Christ may rest on us? Or do we chafe and complain, accusing God of being unfair, of giving us a raw deal in life? I don't mean to imply that we can't question God. Paul certainly did. As I said earlier, he begged three times for his disability to be removed. And we have many other examples in Scripture of godly people who questioned God in times of difficulty. Think of Job, 
and Elijah? How about David, John the Baptist, and others? But ultimately, they acknowledge that God is in control and He knows what is best. Recently, I heard a radio spot by Johnny Erickson Tata, and as most of you know, she has suffered as a quadriplegic all of her adult life. But she made the statement that she doesn't want her suffering to be wasted. In other words, she knows God has a purpose for what he has allowed in her life, and she wants her suffering to be used by God for his glory and for the blessing of others. Like the Apostle Paul, Johnny's response to her suffering has motivated many, many people to embrace their disability for the glory of God. So let's remember, God's grace is all you and I need. Remember that grace is receiving something we don't deserve. We all deserve to suffer and spend eternity in hell. But instead, God has given us Jesus to give us eternal life in heaven. God will give you and me what we need to continue on regardless of our illness or our disability. We need to stay focused on Jesus and stop worrying about the things that we can't control. When you are weak, God is strong. Your disability will stop you only if you allow it to. Trust God that he knows what he's doing and learn to delight in your disability for his glory and for the blessing of others. It's really dark and cold tonight And I'm so tired and all alone I see no ray of hope inside Oh Lord, why did you ever make night? I made the night so Thanks for joining us today for The Voice of Hope. If you have questions about what you heard, or if you'd like a copy of it, just write to us. Perhaps you'd like to share this teaching with a friend. If so, we'd be happy to send to you a printed or digital copy when you ask for it by the title, Delighting in Your Disability. 
The easiest way for you to contact us is by using our email address, hope at heraldsofhope.org. That's H-O-P-E at heraldsofhope.org. Or call us toll-free at 866-960-0292. And if you prefer the old-fashioned way of contact, our mailing address is The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. To review today's program or to listen to archived programs, log on to our website, heraldsofhope.org, and listen when it's convenient for you. If you want to connect with us on social media, just search for Heralds of Hope and follow us on our various social media platforms. And we invite you to help support this ministry financially by donating securely online at heraldsofhope.org or by calling our toll-free number 866-960-0292. And of course, you can mail your gift to The Voice of Hope, Box 3, Breezewood, Pennsylvania, 15533. God's grace, accompanied by your fervent prayers and your generous financial support, will enable the Voice of Hope to be on the air until Jesus comes in the air. Now I hope you'll join me next week for the Voice of Hope. And until we meet again, remember to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. life seem like a mountain, and the joy and song within my heart is gone, then I hear the gentle voice of Jesus calling, and in Him I find the reason to go on. With my eyes fixed on Jesus, I can face another Saviors, I don't need to go astray. With my heart simply trusting, there are answers when I pray. In the shelter of His arms, I want to stay. When temptations like great waves come dashing round me, and my feeble feet are slipping in the sand. And there's nothing in this world to help or hold me. Then it's Jesus who alone can make me stand. With my eyes fixed on Jesus, I can face another day. With my hand in my Savior, I don't need to go astray With my heart simply trusting There are answers when I pray In the shelter of His arms I want to stay When dark doubts and fears come rolling like a river And they're washing like a flood upon my soul then I find that there's an anchor in my Savior. 
when I trust in Him, He takes complete control. With my eyes fixed on Jesus, I can face another day. With my hand in my Savior's, I don't need to go astray. With my heart simply trusting, there are answers when I pray. In the shelter of His arms I want to stay. With my eyes fixed on Jesus I can face another day. With my hand in my Savior's I don't need to go astray. With my heart simply trusting there are answers when I pray. In the shelter of His arms I want to stay.